Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to State of State. This podcast is presented by BetOnline.ag, your number one source for all your sports info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds, news, and info for every sport, from the NBA playoffs to Major League Baseball and beyond. BetOnline is your sports information headquarters this season. If you love sports info, scores, news, and podcasts, you can find everything at BetOnline. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. Joining me here on State of State, former Penn State defensive lineman Aeneas Hawkins, also a part of the Limitless NIL agency that many know founded by Sean Clifford. Aeneas Hawkins is a big part of that, and Aeneas was literally all over Blue White Weekend. I believe uh, early on Saturday you were part of Blue White Illustrated's pregame coverage with my good friend Thomas Frank Carr. Uh, thank you for hopping on here on State of State. Uh, first of all, walk me through what the day kind of felt like for you because everybody was worried there was going to be a bunch of rain, and then it seemed like as the game went on, actually got a decent day in Happy Valley. Yeah, I'll tell you what, energy was definitely up in Happy Valley. You know, as a player, definitely exciting to get out of there, get out there on the field in front of the fans after a long offseason of winter workouts and spring practices. So those guys seemed fired up. The fans themselves seemed like they were having a good time, too. I know for me, you know, I was excited when that rain cleared up right at the perfect time, right around kickoff. So thought it was an overall great day and, and definitely saw, thought I saw some of the key things I needed to see from some of those young guys uh, who stepped up today in that scrimmage. Yeah, I'm really curious to, to get your opinion on this. Uh, to be completely transparent with everybody, Aeneas is in State College right now. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So as you can imagine, viewing the game here, virtually impossible. So I had the great pleasure of listening to the game, thanks to the wonderful Steve Jones and Jack Ham, which is an experience I haven't had in a while since I was maybe that tailgate or driving to the game or driving away from a game, something like that. So I had a very different experience, but I have details and you have different details, so you can help me kind of fill in the blanks here a little bit. Let's start with the quarterbacks. This is what everybody is talking about, obviously. Drew Aller versus Bo Perbula is what a lot of people are looking at. It's been described by James Franklin as, quote, the true quarterback competition. For me, listening to the game, looking at the stat sheet, the box score, it, it felt like this was the Drew Aller show to me. What do you think? Yeah, I thought Drew had a good showing today. It was pretty on cue with what you'd expect. I think there were a couple hiccups uh, strictly because of the, the level of play that the Penn State defense seems to keep putting on the field over these last couple of years. But Drew did the, the, a terrific job from an operation standpoint, being the leader of the offense, getting everybody aligned uh, and in the right play call. It seemed like he had good control in year two, which to me was the most important aspect. Uh, I think a lot of the, the talent that Drew brings to the table goes without saying. Uh, in terms of arm talent and capability as a quarterback. 
Uh, and it did seem like the playbook was a little bit more open for him uh, than maybe it would have been uh, or what I would have expected it to have been for Bo. Uh, but Bo did some good things, too. Don't don't get it twisted. I saw him using his legs, extending plays, uh, able to hit some good shots down the field. I remember one nice one to Amari Evans uh, late in that scrimmage. Um, so, yeah, again, saw good things from both of them, about as good as you can expect against what could end up being an elite defense. Yeah, Bo Perbula's final line, uh, if I have the stats off, go psusports.com, correct. Uh, 10 of 27 uh, for a little less than 100 yards. And then meanwhile, Drew Hour, 19 of 30, 202 yards and the touchdown uh, to Amari Evans. Uh, I want to get to Perbula and the receivers, especially here in just a second. But you've been through a number of blue-white games. One thing Jack Ham was harping on during the radio broadcast is that inevitably during spring ball, the defense is going to have better cohesion than the offense. Could you articulate that for me? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. You know, going into year two under Manny Diaz, that defense, you know, and the guys that are on it primarily, especially those veteran guys, are really, really comfortable with that system that they're running. Um, and oftentimes, not to say defense is an easier scheme overall to, to kind of put into place, but again – you kind of know what you're getting. You know when you're pressuring. You know all the calls going into spring ball. And spring really just serves as a time to kind of refresh and get extra reps of what you already know. Uh, the Penn State offense obviously losing their 32-year-old quarterback, Sean Clifford, <laughs> a, new, a new face under center, um, getting some of those young receivers back in the mix of things. You know, really the, the group that I see as being the veteran group is that O-line tight ends group, which I thought looked like a group of veterans today. But, you know, at the same time, Definitely some hiccups. It's, it's to be anticipated in the spring. Sometimes the offense just seems to take a little bit longer to mesh together. Yeah, that seems to be inevitable and just a, a, a growing pain of, of yeah. spring ball. Um, you obviously know Sean Clifford intimately. So uh, in your opinion, uh, how big do you think the gap is between what where Sean left off and where Drew Aller looked in this blue-white game? I guess more so from the neck up. The, the physical attributes are different. Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of hard to, to kind of quantify where Sean was at in the sixth year of a, of a football program under, you know, he had played under so many different offensive coordinators and so many different systems. So his level of understanding of football was really off the charts in terms of college football quarterbacks that you'll see. Uh, but Drew, again, did a tremendous job operating, especially for a second-year guy who really has not had the opportunity to start a football game at Penn State yet. Um, he seems light years ahead for a guy without that type of experience. Um, and honestly, a lot of that credit should go to Drew, but at the same time, that is the benefit. That was the benefit people were talking about with having a Drew Alar sit behind Deshaun Clifford for a year. Nobody questioned Drew's talent. Nobody questions it today. But now, after a year, he has the opportunity to learn underneath a guy like Sean, who has such a, a different level of understanding than most quarterbacks. Well, and Drew Aller's even been on the record during spring ball that he said last year, this time, he felt, quote, frantic. And now he says he feels like he's got a lot better control of things, understands what the checks and the reads are, the run game, the pass game, what the defense is doing. So it seemed like Drew fit the role that most people are expecting. Now, I do want to turn our attention to Bo Perbula. As I mentioned earlier on in spring ball, James Franklin referred to this, quote, as a true competition at quarterback. That did perk up some ears. Some people were wondering if there's something wrong with Drew Aller, obviously a five-star recruit. Uh, Bo Perbula obviously has looked good at different points, winter workouts last year and also rolling into this year. He's really impressed. Uh, it looked like, it sounded like to me, obviously, during this game, that Bo Perbula's running package was being established. 
And you were getting a little bit of a look at that, obviously limited contact with quarterbacks, but the passing game left something to be desired. What did you see? Yeah, you know, it, it's clear to me that Bo is a guy who is more comfortable with his legs and his arm at this point, which is okay, uh, which is actually pretty standard for, for most athletic quarterbacks coming into school uh, still in their first two years. So, you know, no reason to be concerned there. Um, but again, you know, when Franklin kind of speaks to there being a true quarterback competition, of course he's going to try to create competition for his second-year quarterback uh, who has never started a game. I mean, it's only natural to kind of create that narrative. And Bo, again, is not just a guy who doesn't deserve a competition. He has been competitive from the jump. Uh, he's done things the right way. The guys in that locker room respect him. And although he was a little bit off with some of his throws today, again, he's shown in practices before that he has the ability to stretch the field and do good things with his arm as well. Uh, I think a lot of times when you get a dual threat guy like that, it just takes a little bit longer to develop uh, and kind of get those guys to understand when to use their legs versus when to sit in that pocket and kind of you know, sling that thing around a little bit. To put a bow on the quarterback conversation, no, uh, no pun intended. Um, Jackson Smolik, uh, yep. limited opportunities. Would you have liked to have seen more of him? I would like to see more of Jackson. Um, you know, if we didn't see a lot of him, there's a there's a reason why. Um, still new on campus. You know, obviously want to ease him into that that system uh, and give him the opportunity to you know develop before having to perform in front of the whole fan base. Um, and again. You know, I, I'm not too concerned with not seeing him as much. I think there'd be, you know, I think everybody involved would be happiest if at some point during the season, hopefully by mid-year, he's a guy that's competitive enough to where he gets some more practice reps than what you're seeing him get now. Um, and he's able to be a guy that could compete down the line with a guy like Bo, with a guy like Drew, uh, when that time comes. As we know in the Big Ten, and we kind of experienced with Sean and Taquan and Christian Bayer a couple years ago, guys go down and they go down quick. And you don't know what you have behind that QB1. So any depth you can build there is awesome. And James Franklin has expressed confidence in Jackson Small, yeah. considering he got on campus mid-semester. So that is a yeah. real positive that you can have some depth at quarterback, that proverbial too deep that James Franklin always talks about. Yeah. Uh, let's fixate on the guys that have been catching the passes. The name that jumped off the, the screen and the, the radio for me was Amari Evans. A uh, really big game. Obviously, there is a comparison that you can make in terms of he came in in the same class as Drew Aller, and these were two guys that were big names in that recruiting class. So these guys have gotten a lot of reps together over the last few years, even if it wasn't necessarily on the field in a regular season game. Uh, what was it that was different about Amari today? Yeah, Amari, man, it, you know, he was a guy who was still kind of learning how to play the receiver position when he first came in. Uh, he had kind of taken some limited reps there, and even his receiver reps in high school were limited in scheme and what he was really doing. So, you know, he's a guy that jumped out to me today because you can just tell his technique, his precision, the way he ran his routes, uh, and the confidence and speed he played at just looked a little bit different than it was last year. Uh, you know, and last year he wasn't a bad player. You would see flashes where you saw, okay, this young guy could be a special receiver down the line. Reminded me a lot of when Jahan first kind of started uh, in Penn State's office, offense back in 2019. But Amari was smooth. Um, he gave some of those DBs some trouble today. And it was a good timing because, you know, I look at that receiver room and I see a Keandre Lambert-Smith and a, and a Harrison Wallace being those two guys. But who's that third receiver? Uh, where's the depth at there? And I think Amari answered a lot of those questions today. Yeah, Caden Saunders, also a, a great day. Four receptions, I believe, over 50 yep. yards. Uh, Malik McClain. 
uh, the transfer from Florida State got involved early in the game. Didn't hear from him too much late. Um, we still know with the wide receiver core, Dante Cephas, the transfer from Kent State, is coming in a few months once he wraps up at Kent State. Uh, Malik McLean, what did you think about him considering he and Malik Mega, two big guys of wide receiver, were getting out there quite a bit? Yeah, you know, I think it's important that we have a big guy that can go stretch the field. Um, I Really, the last pure down-the-field threat that I can remember us really having in our offense was Jawan Johnson in 2018, maybe. Uh, and, you know, it's definitely there's some value there in having those things, especially with guys like Amari and Caden Saunders, like you're mentioning, being able to run underneath and, and cause some mismatches there. Uh, I thought they looked good today. Um, definitely excited to see Malik Mega continue to improve. And I, I want to give a quick shout out here. It seems like a lot of these transfer portal guys that Franklin and his staff continue to land come in and have a pretty direct impact a lot of times. Um, and I think, again, that's hard to do uh, in evaluating guys in years two, three, and four, um, you know, based on what they did at their old school. So, you know, a credit to Franklin and his staff because it seems like they made another good find. Yeah, on the defensive side of the ball, in regards to transfers, Storm Duck continues yep. to get tremendous praise. Uh, I believe is credited with an interception in this game. I'm not sure. Yes. Statistics are kind of a vague idea in the blue-white game, as is the score. For for the, anybody that cares, the blue team won 10 nothing. so uh, <laughs> the points don't really matter. Uh, in regards to wide receivers, uh, Liam Clifford got out there. Christian Driver got himself yep. involved quite a bit. There are a lot of guys right now, James Franklin, his reference, are competing for the three, four, five, and 6 spot. And I mentioned Cephas is incoming. It feels like DeAndre Lambert-Smith and Trey Wallace have one and two, or at least one A, one B, locked up being a general term. But was there somebody from that pack that you think it's like, hey, this is the guy outside of Omari Evans, I know we just talked about, but was there somebody else that you're like, I like what he did today? Yeah, you know, a guy that I think quietly has been playing well uh, and played well last year too was Liam Clifford. Um, He's not a guy that's going to burn you over the top. Uh, He's not going to scare you with his speed necessarily. But he's a tough kid. He runs good routes. Um, and when he has the ball in the hands, I think he's pretty consistent about getting up the field and getting good yards. So I was excited to see him uh, again. I'll go back to Malik Mega. He's another guy that I think can compete for that three, four, five spot. And again, you know, I think having depth of receiver is the biggest question mark, you know, after, you know, you ask yourself if Keandre Lambert-Smith or Harrison Wallace can step up and be that true number one receiver. Um, and I think that we saw some good things from them. Christian Driver again. Uh, it's in the bloodline. I would not be surprised at all if it clicks. The thing to me is who's going to click for first um, because that number three receiver has to get figured out and has to get figured out before the season starts. Yeah, Christian Driver, those that don't know the son of the great uh, Green Bay Packer legend, Donald Driver. Uh, and again, I, I keep saying it, but Dante Cephas is incoming, a dude with over yes, 80 catches and well over 1,000 yards and plenty of scores. Granted, at the MAC level, but could this be a situation a la Mitchell Tinsley coming from Western Kentucky? Definitely. The competition is just going to continue. Uh, staying with pass catchers, tight end, uh, Khalil Dinkins was out yeah. there a lot. This is a yeah, guy that has been talked about heavily throughout spring ball. What do you like about Dinkins? Yeah, Dinkins is a guy, you know, he was a freshman my last year playing football here at Penn State, and he was a guy that you could tell was just a little bit raw, uh, wanted to be a good football player, but you could tell he needed a lot of work. And let me tell you, that was the first time I got eyes on him all spring. He looks like a completely different guy. He's running around like a vet. Uh, He's being a leader. He's catching the football really well. He's a, you know, in person, he's a stockier guy. Uh, good muscle mass on him, strong kid. 
And to me, it's it's a great time for it because, you know, you look at Brenton Strange leaving. Who's that third tight end going to be? And it seems like the depth that Penn State has at tight end this year is amazing. Another guy I'll throw out there, Jerry Cross, looks the part just as much. He's a guy that can very much play on Saturdays. Um, but the depth there was impressive. Again, Dinkins looks light years ahead of what he did the last two seasons. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, check out Smack Apparel and see what their team has geared up for football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for all those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel has the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro and college football, plus basketball, baseball, every fan is covered. Head over to smackapparel.com and use the promo code STATE10, that's S-T-A-T-E-1-0, at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code STATE10, at checkout. Why we're boring when you can wear smack. Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code STATE20. That's S-T-A-T-E-2-0 at checkout for 20% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. And let's not forget about uh, Joey Schlaffer, freshman, uh, got involved, got himself a catch. Uh, I don't believe he recorded any statistics, but uh, Mega Barnwell, uh, who, you know, records tremors everywhere he walks because he's probably the largest tight end Penn State's maybe ever had. Like, it's kind of ludicrous what Ty Howell and company have put together there in the tight end room. So do they almost have too much depth? Because Rappelier is coming in the summer. So, I mean, it's just the hits keep on coming. Well, listen, I'll tell you what, I, I don't think there's any such thing as too much depth on this Big Ten schedule. Um, and that's what we have, the transfer portal, too. But that's, that's, that's another story for another day. Right now, I love the depth they have. Uh, again, it comes back to the idea, you know, Franklin has harped on this for the better part of two years now. You know, for us to be competitive and for Penn State to be at that elite level, there has to be competition and depth at all of these spots. Um, that's what the great teams have. Uh, and Penn State has had that in certain spots, maybe, but never all at once like they do right now. Uh, at least not in the last you know, five to seven years or the Franklin era, if you want to call it that. Uh, and they seem to have it. And they seem like they have all the makers of a good football team. Yeah. Fingers crossed on that Fingers front. Uh, let's turn, yeah. yeah, exactly. Let's turn our attention to running backs. The best part about this is that there is no news to report. Nick Singleton yes. and John Allen are still really good at football. Uh, they both look bigger in a good way. They both look strong. Singleton was getting – reps into the third quarter which i think everybody was like you can be bubble wrapped on the sideline that's fine uh there were definitely a lot more instances where Allen and singleton were running routes out of the backfield which yeah. is not something we've seen too much against the running backs under mike yersich uh it wasn't something significant that singleton and Allen really got involved in, in this game nor was i expecting to really see that but you did see guys like tank smith get involved in the passing game do you hope to see more of that once the season gets underway? Yeah, you know, I think both of those guys could use to add that element of being able to come out the backfield, catch the football, and get a field. They both have the ability to do it. You know, as tough as a young running back for some reason to be able to come in, learn all the protections, run the ball, and be a good pass catcher out of the backfield, it's a lot. 
Um, but Nick Singleton specifically is a guy that should be an absolute animal out of the backfield. Him in the open field, you know, if he can develop his hands and be consistent there, that's another added element that you have to be careful of with the Penn State offense. And one thing that I remember back with the Joe Moorhead offenses was Saquon Barkley had become such a threat swinging out of that backfield that you were able to scheme up some things over the top of it because those linebackers and safety start panicking uh, when they see 2-6, or in this case, uh, number 10 coming out of that backfield. So, again, anytime you can add some schematics like that to create uh, more thinking than necessary for a defense, the better. Uh, I, I laughed at what you said. I told uh, Mr. Uh, Tommy Frank Carr earlier today, the most important thing I wanted to see out of the running backs is them come out with no injuries. That was all I wanted to see. Um, everybody so stay, everybody you, across the board, stay yeah. healthy. Um, but again, they look good. I'm excited to watch them run against behind that veteran O lineup, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, but yeah, they look good today too. And the mask, yeah, I want to get to not to not to belabor the point, but the mask that they added, you can tell they put on some lean muscle mass, and they look even stronger than what they were last year. It, it's something James Franklin has been talking about for a while: is guys on both sides of the ball putting on good weight. He talks yeah. about it almost at nauseum, but it sounds like that that mandate has been heard yeah. and guys are really putting it into practice. Um, and lastly, here on the running backs, and it was something I talked about on the last episode with Justin King, is that incoming from Minnesota in a few months is going to be Trey Potts, uh, former running back for the Golden Gophers. There are a lot of people speculating, myself included, he's going to be the number three back. Now, we saw a lot from Tank Smith, Emil Davis, uh, Tyler Holsworth as well. He got involved in the passing game and the run game. Did you see extra urgency out of the running backs not named Singleton and Allen today? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's tough because, you know, I think, you know, even even the naked eye can see that, you know, Singleton and Allen are in a league of their own in terms of Penn State running backs, and then the other three are kind of just left fighting for whatever those two uh, don't eat themselves. So definitely saw some urgency. Tank Smith is a guy that, you know, I always am a fan of watching. He's a fan favorite. Um, Tank actually put his helmet in my chest one time at practice, and I thought that was going to be the end of, of football for me right there. But he's a strong kid. You know, we talk about Trey Potts coming in, adding even more depth to that. I think those guys understand that Trey's coming in, and he's coming in to compete for those reps that those guys want. Uh, and, again, it comes back to the idea of, of competition and iron sharpening iron. So, you know, I'm all for it. Trey Potts is a PA kid. Uh, definitely had some success in Minnesota as well. So definitely excited to add him to the bunch. Yeah, and grew up a Penn State fan. So that's just yeah. a nice little cherry on top altogether. Uh, the fact that Tank Smith at 5'7", put his helmet in your chest. I mean, come on, man. Listen, <laughs> he's tough. When Juice Scruggs is blocked, you don't see Tank coming, okay? Fair. That's <laughs> a good point. That's, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. With that, the offensive line. Um, Olu yep. Fashionu, uh Left tackle who had NFL draft prospects is back for this upcoming season. He was a healthy scratch for this game. I just want to be perfectly clear on that. He is okay. Uh, was banged up a little bit this past season, but sounds like he's doing just fine. It was holding him out because, as I mentioned, the same thing with Singleton and Allen. The goal is yeah. just to keep the guy healthy. Drew yeah. Shelton got the start at left tackle. Hunter Norris at its center. Uh, got a lot of Caden Wallace at the right tackle position. So what did you think about the offensive line? Because this can be a difficult – game quote-unquote to really gauge what the offensive line is capable of yeah it's tough to gauge in the spring just because you know offenses are so vanilla in the spring game the defense is going to be vanilla about what they're calling and it isn't always necessarily a realistic uh look compared to what you get during the season um but again the most important thing to me was watching hunter norzad make the transition over to center uh, the loss of drew scruggs to me is more important than penn state fans maybe are realizing right now uh, but hunter seemed to really handle having 
you know, the charge in terms of communication and getting guys in the right protections and letting them know where slides were. He did a good job communicating. He seemed to be the, the you know, unspoken leader of that group when they were out in that field, which was wonderful to see. Um, and again, with Olu being a healthy scratch, it was good to see a guy like Drew Shelton be able to jump right in uh, and go right back to, you know, being a starter like he was at the end of the year. I think the most important part of this group right now, a veteran group that I think has high expectations this year, is that they have more depth than what they've had in a long time. There's a new standard in the offensive line room. Uh, I think you can point to Alex Bershmeyer and uh, Javen Williams, you know, two five-star nationally highly touted kids uh, coming in, a guy like Landon Tangwald. You know, the standard has clearly risen, uh, and that's a credit to Phil Troutline and the guys in that room. Um, and I'm excited to see that unit work together. I think for the first time in a long time, they're going into a season uh, with an expectation to be not one of the strengths, but probably the strength of a Penn State offense. And I'm excited to see how that looks. Uh, Vega Iwane is someone who has been talked about a lot by James Franklin. It's called yeah. him the best looking 365 pounder he's ever seen. Did you get to see Vega and what did you think of what he did? Yeah, Vega played really well. He's a monster in the run game. It seems like he's cleaned up a lot of his technique uh, in the past pro game. And once he's able to mesh those two things together, he's going to be a monster here too. He's another guy that adds immediate depth. Uh, he's a guy that could play on Saturdays, and you probably would notice a difference. Uh, no different than J.B. Nelson, another guy that I'll throw in there as being on that same level as Vega. Um, I saw Vega in five guys a month ago, had not seen him in person. He is built like a brick house. I'll tell you what, I've never – I was shocked standing behind him. I'm like, I don't know who this kid is, but he's got to play something. Um, but, yeah, that depth there is definitely a, a huge added value uh, to that offense. I'm surprised the five guys is still there. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I can't wait to watch him in person at some point. Uh, so from the offensive line to the defensive line, yeah. at halftime, James Franklin mentioned two players uh, on the radio broadcast that I listened to. One, Amari Evans, starting about him making plays on offense. And then two, he said, quote, deny Dennis Sutton has been unblockable. Now, granted – it's the blue-white game, as we just mentioned. You're not even allowed to really touch the quarterback. You tag him down, all those things. But still, as a pass rusher, you can get after the offensive line. You can get after the quarterback. You just can't kill the guy. What did you think about tonight, Dennis Sutton? Because it seemed like he made a leap. Yeah, you know, the thing that's special about Denai, I've seen a lot of really talented ends. Um, a lot of young guys come with a lot of talent, play with a guy like Odafe Owe in my class. I uh, remember watching him just, you know, turn into the first-round draft pick ended up being, you know, Denai has that mix of elite, elite-level, God-given talent. But at the same time, the thing that was most impressive to me about him was his motor. That kid does not have an off switch. He plays hard, whether the play's right in front of him or whether the play's 20 yards away from him. He's sprinting around, um, and he's leading by example, which is not common from young guys, especially young D-linemen. That's something that's typically taught over time. Um, and he has all the skill set he needs to be an all-Big Ten caliber player this year. Not to put too much expectation on the kid, but he was a monster today. I mean, every two seconds you hear his name getting announced, constantly pressuring the quarterback. And really, we probably didn't even feel the fullest effect of those pressures because, again, the quarterbacks weren't getting hit. So I bet you if he was actually hitting those kids, that is all probably people would be talking about right now from that game. That's how well he played. A lot of people. Coming out of last season, we're talking about Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac as the yeah. two top defensive ends for this football team. Let's not forget, Chop Robinson, granted a transfer from Maryland, was playing some college ball before he came to Penn State, and Deny Dennis Sutton, true freshman at the time, yeah. got on campus last summer. 
They weren't here for winter workouts. They weren't here for spring ball. So getting this part of the season under their belt at this point, to hear this already about tonight and a sudden is very encouraging. And on top of that, it sounded like Chop Robinson was also very good during this blue-white game. What did you think? Yeah, yeah. I don't – again, the expectations are already so high, and I'm not looking to add to that. But as far as a defensive end unit, I have not seen one more talented in the Franklin era, and it's really not even close. From Chop Robinson, who shows so many flashes where he's like Arnold Evicati, but probably with a little bit more bend and twitch. Uh, I look at Adisa Isaac, who very well – I mean, the Rose Bowl game he put together last year and the flashes he put on tape after coming off of a big season-ending injury – where he still wasn't all the way healthy yet, he's another guy that could be an early, early pick in the NFL draft next season. So, again, the depth there, we talk about Amin Vanover, another guy who's shown flashes, arrived Fishers. The depth there is really impressive. Um, and the thing that I like about the Nye is he adds a little bit more of a run-stopping factor than maybe some of the other ends do. Um, so, you know, to have balance and to have give and take with people's skill set at that position specifically uh, is definitely exciting. The, the sky is really the limit for these guys. Deion Barnes could not have had a better group to inherit in year one um, because, again, just the talent in that room is, is impressive. Oh, and he's taking a step up from his old job to this job, being the full-blown no leader of the defensive line. So it's uh, it's nice to be driving a Maserati no right once you get your driver's license. It's not too <laughs> bad. Um, in regards to uh, Deny Dennis Sutton, again, the, the stats are genuinely relative in this game, but he was credited with four tackles, two, quote, sacks, and two, quote, tackles for loss in this game, which was still very good to, to see that he's getting to the quarterback. Um, staying with the defensive line, who stood out for you at defensive tackle? Because everybody is talking about P.J. Mustafer's departure and who is literally and figuratively going to leave that void. It seemed like Caleb Artis, who is about 315 pounds, got himself involved early in the game, which was great. And we know about Devon Ellis, and you mentioned a bunch of guys there. But is there somebody that jumped out to you that's like, eh, he might be able to at least fill part of that void? Yeah, well, I'll give you two guys. You know, one, again, just because the comparison on paper makes a bunch of sense. And he's a guy that's playing better earlier than people probably would have anticipated. Caleb Artis, like you said, a uh, big body guy who's going to come in there and shut down the run. Uh, I'm not saying he's PJ Mustford yet, but for a young guy, he comes in there and he's really consistent. Uh, and that was definitely exciting to see. Another guy I'm going to throw out is probably being, you know, the most exciting player in that defensive tackle room, in my opinion, is Zane Durant. The kid has put on a bunch of, you know, we talk about lean mass. He's put on a ton of it. Uh, you know, people are concerned about size of the D tackle position. I always tell them. They need to pay attention to the Manny Diaz defense in the scheme because the reality is there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of space for 320 pound D tackles. It's a lot of horizontal movement, getting vertical and change of direction. And Zane Durant fits that bill to a T. Uh, reminds me of Kevin Givens a few years ago, but with probably more upside than Kevin even had. I think it's a special group. It'll be interesting. I think a guy like JJ Vandenberg should continue to step up as well. I don't think you replace PJ Musfer with one guy uh, per se. But in terms of depth, this, again, is the best defensive tackle unit they've had in a long time. Now the question becomes, okay, who are our starters going to be? Who are the guys that we're going to really pound reps on? Um, and, again, Devon Ali is another guy that has an opportunity in year five to take another step and become that every-down starter uh, with the absence of P.J. Mustafer. 
this is one of the reasons I'm thrilled to have you on here. Your insight as a former defensive lineman, uh, th that's some really great stuff. Staying with the defense overall, uh, the linebackers that jumped out are two guys that have been talked about also a lot throughout spring ball and winter workouts, uh, Tony Rojas and Tamir Robinson. Those guys sounded to me like they were flying all over the place, and they've been getting a lot of praise during spring. Also, Kevin Winston Jr. at defensive back, and we'll get to the – myriad of defensive backs that were involved. Those were the three names that really jumped out to me. What do you think? Yeah, I was really excited to watch Tony Rojas play. I, I kept hearing that he was having a really impressive spring. I guess the kid put on 29 pounds uh, this winter and spring alone uh, since enrolling. But he five guys. Hard, yeah, five no. guys. Yeah, five guys. <laughs> I'm <high>. kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, um, no, but Tony looked really good. Tamir's another guy who was flying around. That was the first I'd gotten to see him play in person. Got some young talent there. I think they did a good job stepping up. Uh, you know, with Elsden not practicing, um, with the Luca not practicing, you know, some veteran guys that would be taking those reps. It was good to see them step up uh, because, again, with that Big Ten schedule, anybody can go down and the next man's got to be ready to go. Um, so definitely good to see those two young guys doing their thing. And uh, also Kobe King was getting involved yep. a lot. So there is some really good competition for that third linebacker spot. Granted, Manny Diaz really likes to mix things, mix things up in terms of his defensive alignments. You may only see two linebackers on the field at one time. Hell, you might only see one. But if you've got Curtis Jacobs and uh, Abdul Carter doing their thing and you've got a lot of really intense competition for that third spot, it just gives you options. Uh, it's something I've asked Justin King before. Uh, the Prowler package, it's something that yeah. people talk about a lot. Sometimes it gets confused for a particular position, one single guy on the field, but the Prowler package itself, did you see anything more with that today that makes you feel better for the future? Uh, man, I didn't see anything new today per se. I'm a huge fan of the Prowler package. Uh, the stress that it puts on, the, on quarterbacks and on offenses and having to evaluate who's coming, when they're going to come, what coverage they're – I mean, it just makes it tough uh, on an offense to prepare. I think you're going to see a huge increase in its usage uh, across the country after what Penn State football was able to do last year. Um, but, no, I did not see anything new. Manny Diaz is not going to show us all of his tips and tricks uh, in April. But, again, you know, year two really, you know, being able to, to, you know, put in new packages, put in new plays for the package, the Prowler, you know, everybody's more comfortable. Everybody's going to continue to get more comfortable. It's going to get even more extensive than what it was last year because all those guys have now played through it in year one. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to belabor the point here. I'm a huge fan of it. I think it adds so much stress to the quarterback and the offense's lives uh, that it makes it tough. Hopefully, uh, does that come West Virginia? That's that's yeah, all we care we'll about. Find out, huh? <laughs> um, and and rounding things out on the defense, I, I touched on it briefly. This secondary is just stupid, and I mean that in a good way. Uh, yeah. There was a one point that Steve Jones said on the broadcast because obviously you have the blue team and the white team, and it's theoretically the ones and the twos the starters versus the second string guys and the second string dbs quote unquote this might not even be accurate based on the internal depth charts this is just what we're assuming as, as fans watching the game the number two dbs cam miller mckay flowers and storm duck it's ludicrous it, yeah. it, it's absolutely ludicrous because we talked about storm duck a little bit earlier on and I've described this guy as a professional. Like, he is a – if he went to the NFL last year, wouldn't have been shocked, and he would have gotten picked up just fine. Uh, can you put into words how deep this secondary is? Because it's crazy. 
Man, it, it's I'll tell you what, you know, you know all about Kalen Kane. You know what you're getting there. Potentially the best cornerback in all college football next season. But you know, you look, you see a Daquan Hardy, you see Johnny Dixon, who played a lot of good football last year. You add Storm Duck, like you said, a guy who could have gone to the NFL but elected to come back and to transfer to a Penn State and continue to play. There's so much depth. Cam Miller, another guy. Um, the depth that they have there, they have never had. Um, it's exciting. They'll be able to rotate so many more guys this year, keep guys' legs fresh. Kalen King's a guy that you can count on shutting down a team's number one receiver. Um, it's really impressive. I was really interested and was looking to watch the, the battle that I kind of presumed would be happening between Storm Duck and Johnny Dixon. But the, the reality of the situation is no matter who wins that battle, you may see five, six corners a game. And you may see that consistently with the type of depth that they have. Uh, Terry Smith is on a roll. Joey Porter Jr. was on the sideline cheering those guys on and coached them up, which was cool to see. Um, that unit is tight, and they're playing well. And that's the, the one thing about the blue-white game, and Justin and I talked about this in the last episode, is that if there's one battle where you can learn a lot in a blue-white game, it's wide receiver versus corner, wide receiver versus defensive back. Uh, the safeties as well were able to get involved in this game heavily. Zaki Wheatley, Jalen Reed, Keith Nellis, like – there's just depth everywhere you look. And I mentioned Kevin Winston Jr. And there's some young guys that are really getting involved. So it makes you feel good in that, you know, it's the proverbial two deep that James Franklin has talked about. It's not guys that you need to roll out there, but you can if you want. And you feel confident because you're getting these reps now, getting a lot of really good work today. Nobody got hurt, which is great. That we're aware of yet, hopefully, knock on wood on that part. But at the same time, like this just feels – really good and and to that point about knocking on wood you know we as penn state football fans for years and years and years it's just that cautious optimism of like all right cool feels good everybody's talking about us let's just you know let's just keep going let's keep working um last but not least i don't want to leave out the specialists um there are ongoing battles in terms of place kicker punter kick returner um was there anybody in particular that you feel like separated themselves uh, none of the specialists per se. I'll tell you what was cool to see and something that I'm excited about was potentially Caden Saunders at, at punt returner. I think that's a natural fit for him. He's electric. You know, I'm an Ohio guy. Uh, so I've known about Caden for a long time. Um, and he's a guy that could absolutely take on a role there and really run with it and be another threat. We already have Nick Singleton returning kicks. We know what he can do there. Uh, so again, any advantages that we can take in special teams are good. I think replacing Jake Penninger, you know, has to be a priority. I would anticipate that competition to stretch on uh, into the summer. I know Franklin likes to put a ton of stress on those kickers leading up to the season to find out who is sustainable. Um, so, you know, just looking forward to watching that. I don't think anything I answered per, uh, today, per se. Um, I'm always going to be a big Gabe Nwosu fan. I'm going to always cheer for him uh, because of my opinion. Yeah, he's a, he's a right tackle kicking the football. The kid's six yes. six. Um, so, yeah, that's my take there. I'm very, very excited to see how that plays out. And hopefully it's not a situation where it's necessary to have one guy doing the, the punting and the kicking, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, yeah. There's a lot of positivity to take away from this blue-white game, so I really appreciate you doing this international version of the podcast. Uh, for those yeah. that follow me, I'm in Toronto for Impact Wrestling's Rebellion event, so uh, that's why I'm up here and that's why Aeneas is there. Uh, Aeneas, you also, I mentioned at the, the top of the show, you continue to do some great work with Limitless NIL. Uh, for those who don't know, that uh, was started by Sean Clifford, and Aeneas was also part of the founding fathers of that Limitless NIL agency to help uh, active Division One football players and actually beyond football players uh, 
active athletes, try and land more NIL deals. Uh, you guys were recently acquired. Congratulations on that. How's everything going at Limitless NIL? Things are going well. Things are busy. Recruiting's heating up. Uh, obviously, our founder, Sean, is, is taking a shot at the NFL. Uh, so we've all been busy having fun with things, you know, trying to, trying to put these student athletes in the best position possible to capitalize on NIL while they're in college. And then, you know, ultimately setting them up for success, you know, beyond their playing careers, hopefully as well. Uh, so definitely been fun. It's a good way for me to stay connected to sports now that I'm done playing. Uh, and it's been a huge blessing. So appreciate you asking. Give us a, you know, check us out at LimitlessNIL.com or at LimitlessNIL anywhere else that uh, you may use social media. Appreciate you, Aeneas. Uh, I know you've had a busy day. You've been all over the place. Thank you for your insight. Yeah. Thank you for your eyes literally on the field. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, and thank you all for joining us. Uh, Justin King will be back on our next episode of State of State. Thanks, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.